So in a series like this on on the healings of, of Jesus, I think one of the more difficult questions that we have to answer is whether there is any kind of link at all between healing and faith. And if there is a link between healing and faith, then what exactly is it? We have to address this because if there is a link and we claim there is no link, then people are not going to seek the faith that they need in order to get healed. Of course, if there's no link at all and we claim there is, then people are going to think they're to blame if they don't get healed. I guess it's my fault because I didn't have enough faith to get what other people got. And then we add to whatever suffering there is going on, shame. So it's a serious pastoral uh, question that we need to answer. And this serious pastoral question, the link between healing and faith, if there even is one at all, is compounded by the fact that even in an abstract sense, it is really difficult to answer. Uh, Even if you were at seminary before they let you loose on actual humans in a congregation, if you just ask the classroom, tell me from the textbooks, is there a link between healing and faith and what exactly is it? That is going to become a fight. Not a very impressive one because seminarians aren't very hard, but you know, it's going to be a fight. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, you look, just think back through this series, we've kind of seen a bit of both, right? On the one hand, we had people like that mute man three weeks ago, and he pretty much seems to have given up on faith. He practically had to be dragged to Jesus, and then he got healed. And then uh, last week, Jesus in the hometown, quote, did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. It was their lack of faith that led to a lack of healing. So how do you stick these two things together? How do you reconcile these seemingly contradictory points? You actually get both of these extremes in the same passage sometimes. Do you remember the dead girl and the bleeding woman? Tell me, church, what did the dead girl do to get healed? Nothing, because she was dead. But the woman, five minutes earlier, who approaches Jesus, has Jesus say to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. So what is going on, do you think? Is there a link between healing and faith? And if there is, what is it? Please do turn with me to Matthew 17, verse 14. Matthew 17, 14. This is a key passage. Any series on the healings of Jesus really ought to have this one in it. It's, it's a key passage if you're going to answer this, this key question. When they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? Let's define our terms first, faith. When we hear the word faith, often what we think is the word belief. Do you have a faith? Yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in God, might be your answer. But when Jesus uses this word faith, the biblical word faith, it's actually much bigger than that. I think Jesus' word for faith would incorporate as well the word trust or reliance 
or assurance. It's also related to the word fidelity. Uh, it's a word about being faithful. You might say you've gone exclusive with somebody and you won't date other people. It's that kind of a word. So when Jesus talks about faith, the first thing we need to understand is this is not an abstract concept. That is not your belief that a set of principles happen to be true. Uh, Jesus is not saying, do you think I'm real? Or do you think I'm good? Can you tell me something about myself? What he means is, do you trust in me? Are you willing to follow me? Will you rely on me alone? That's what he means by faith. And will your attachment to me be as a bride to her groom? That's what he means. And then analyzing the world around him, Jesus says, many in this generation, meaning all of us, meaning all the humans from the point of his earthly ministry to the point of his return, them and us, many in this generation, he says, have no faith. Many are not interested in me at all. And worse, he says, some in this generation have a twisted faith, a perverted faith. That is to say, a faith or trust that has been placed in something else that is not me. And it's like Jesus is looking around and he's saying, what I saw back there in my hometown, faithlessness, now I see everywhere. Even so, verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon, it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly, and that's it. That's the healing, because the healing's not the point. The point is whether there is a link between healing and faith. If there is, what precisely is it? This is what the disciples ask. Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, because of your little faith. There is a link, Jesus says, between healing and faith, and your problem is that your faith is too small. There you go. Now, one of the reasons why I really do encourage Bibles to be open, unless you are an extreme auditory learner, is because uh, I want you to see very precisely what Jesus says. Jesus chooses his words carefully here. His point is nuanced. And not only does he play with the same words, he plays with the same images as well to get to a very precise answer. First of all, compare verses 17 and 20. That's where we begin. In verse 17, he says to the crowd, O faithless and twisted generation. There's two types of faith in this town. There's kind of a lack of faith, and there's adulterous faith. There's kind of apathy, and there's hostility in the town. Some have no faith at all. Some have a twisted faith, and they've gone after other things. They've gone after rival gods, and maybe the demons behind those gods. And their faith has been placed in wealth, and in self, and in status, and in things. Their trust is in a material world, because they are material girls and boys. Thank you. But to the disciples, he says, you're not like that. You're not faithless. And you're not faith twisted. He says, I know that you love me. But something about your faith is too small. That's your problem. 
Verse 20, he says, you have a little faith. Now, little faith is a, is a conjunction of two words in, in Greek. It's oligos and pistis. You could translate it puny faith or, or puny trust, I think would be a good way of putting it. You have a puny reliance on me. And if this is where the passage ended, then we all got to go home now. We'd have our answer, would we not? Neutrality, hostility, and insufficiency of faith all amount to the same thing. When it comes to getting healed, what you need is a big faith. And then we'll be fine. We've got a word for that, macro pistis, big faith, or macro means kind of explosive bomb, you know, an explosive, fiery faith, that would do it. Uh, you could do kratopistis, a kind of power faith. Uh, you, there's loads of different words you could pick to describe uh, the opposite of a little faith. But he doesn't use any of them. He says something totally weird and head-spinningly difficult to understand in verse 20. Very confusing. He says, for truly I say to you, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move, dot, 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 and it will. And here's the thing about mustard seeds. They're little. So what is going on? You couldn't heal because of your little faith. All you need is a little faith. Like, come on. Like, everyone's going to get an F in this class at seminary. Very, very odd indeed. Uh, so we need to be humble at this point. We need to just say, look, <laughs> you know, pastor says something goofy, don't call the bishop. I think we all need to agree that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, and uh, all I can tell you is what I think might be going on, because this one is too hard for me. All right, so I'm going to share what I think is going on, and, and we're going to do a deal, and you're not going to throw anything or, or um, you know, fire me. So uh, if something's not clear in the Bible, if we're struggling, if we're sitting at our desks, or we're reading, or we're in a small group, and, and, it's, and it's hard to understand, because it seems like it clashes, uh, the first thing we always need to do is, is open up the Bible and look at the context. Context is always going to help us get into the minds of the, of the people in the moment uh, and maybe see if we can understand it a little more easily. Let's do that. Let's jump back to the beginning of chapter 17. Because we have a conundrum on our hands. The problem is you have a little faith. All you need is a little faith. Uh, let's have a look at this. Chapter 17, verse 1. The background. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. That word themselves, I think, makes more emphatic the idea that it's a pretty exclusive group. And some people are not there. In particular, the other nine are not there. <laughs> so you can imagine how the other nine disciples left behind down in the town while the top three get to go up on the mountain with Jesus alone, are feeling. Can't you? You can just picture or even feel what that would be like. And then in verse 16, our passage for today, we find that when the man says, I brought him, my son, to your disciples, and they could not heal him, the inference is that the failed healing took place down in the town with the nine who were left behind, while the glory three were up on the mountain with Jesus. So let's get into the minds of the nine for a moment, shall we? 
I'm speculating, of course, pure speculation, but uh, it does come in the context of Scripture. If this were me, if I were one of the nine, I can imagine one of two rotten things going on in my heart, in my sin, in this moment of being left behind. And the, the first would be discouragement. That's the first thing, I think. Satan would come up to me, and he would say to me, well, I guess you're no good. I guess you're a second-rate disciple. You didn't quite make the cut. I guess Jesus has his favorites, and you're not one of them. I guess that's because they're more competent than you. And that's the one that would work on me, because that's the thing I fear. I fear a lack of competence. I fear getting it wrong or being seen to get it wrong. And when Satan slithers up and goes for that soft spot and says, I guess Jesus has a limited use for you, I'm going to agree with him. Because something about me fears it's true. We talked about it at men's group last night, a small group of us. Uh, I believe it because I fear it. Maybe that's what's going on. And if it is, then there's really two ways that people respond to this kind of discouragement. Um, I might serve in a half-hearted way. I might start to serve without much commitment, really. You know, quiet quitting, some have started to call it. Working to rule, doing the minimum and no more. Because what's the point? I have to say, much more likely in my case, the second manifestation of sin in my case would be this. Overcompensation. Bravado. I'll show them. I put a doggy door in on Friday through eight and a half inches of brick. Never done that before. YouTube video, 13 minutes. Actual job, nine hours. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the hardest thing to fix that I have absolutely no business attempting, and then I'm going to do it all myself in my own strength. And then when the doggy door is installed, what I'm going to do is bask. There's going to be a lot of walking past the doggy door. Oh, look at that. You know, a lot of inspecting of the work. And then we can have a festival, can't we? We'll call it Alex Fest. We'll get some balloons with my face on. And then when Jesus comes down from the mountain, he can see what a great big mistake he made in taking the wrong three. Yeah? And then reality comes crashing in. Because I've got a pulled muscle. And I've got miner's lung. <laughs> and I've got to preach. And in my ministry, the boy's still got a demon. Because I'm working in my own strength and it's horrible. Friends, these failings amount to the same thing. Giving up, overcompensating. They're really the same because in neither of these cases is there very much faith in Jesus. Very much trust in him. Very much reliance. Half-hearted work for the kingdom of God. Overcompensating in your own strength. They fundamentally flow from the very same kind of faith, and that is a faith that ultimately is placed in yourself. I got this, is the mantra of that kind of faith. 
and I cannot rely on God because he might let me down. We just have the tiniest hint this might be going on in the passage. It's my best guess. No more. By a tiny comment in verse 17. When Jesus says, bring him here to me, I think the inference is they've not done that yet. They brought him somewhere else. They brought him to themselves, possibly. It's only when the boy comes to Jesus that he gets healed. So what is the nature of their little faith? What precisely is the nature of it? It's this. They trust in a little Jesus. They believe Jesus is little. They believe that Jesus is inadequate in some way or limited in in some way, perhaps. This is a Jesus who won't always show up. This is a Jesus who leaves people behind. This is a Jesus who's too far away or too busy or too flawed to fix the problem. So I guess we better fix it on our own because who knows when he's going to show up and who knows if he'll do what we want. When Jesus says your problem is that you have a little faith, I wonder if he means more specifically, you have a little faith in me, a little trust in me because you think I'm little. Then he says, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed, that also is little, nothing will be impossible for you. I offer this idea, perhaps what he means is you can have a great big faith in a little tiny Jesus and it will not work, but a little bit of faith in a great big Jesus will. There is a link between healing and faith. And it's not the size of your faith that heals, it's the size of the Jesus that you trust. Let me try and inflect this differently to make the point to see if it works. Your problem is you have a little faith. You just need a little faith. Something like that, maybe. See how the same words can have a different meaning just by resonating them a little differently. So here's what I think. It turns out there are actually four types of faith in this passage. You wouldn't necessarily see them all at first, but I think there are four types. The first is a lack of faith. The second is a twisted faith. The third is a little faith. And the fourth is a little faith. And that's all you need. A little faith in a great big Jesus can move mountains. A little faith in in Jesus can achieve the impossible because nothing is impossible with God. And he's the one you trust. A tiniest glimpse of the fullness of the truth is enough. It's enough to move a mountain because it's not you moving it. It's the one that made it. It's the one that chooses to stick all the atoms in the mountain together and keep them there. It's the great quantum physicist, Jesus Christ, that moves mountains, not you. Here's the good news. If you have a broken body and a broken mind, and this has spiraled and led to a broken spirit and a broken heart and even a broken faith, you can still be healed. You can actually still be used to heal someone else, even. Because Jesus died for you. 
in your place. To restore you to himself by grace. And you did not deserve eternal life. It was a gift. And you could not earn eternal life. It was impossible for you. The task was too great. And this is how Jesus works. The grace that saves is the grace that heals. It's the same thing. And all you need is a little faith in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for scriptures that sometimes make our eyes go around in different directions. We are humble as we approach you to recognize that uh, expositing your holy word uh, and getting it wrong is, is a terrible thing to do. So Lord Jesus, I pray that uh, if, if I'm on the right track, that you would confirm all those things. And anything that's just a bit squiffy, God, you would move away. Well, Lord Jesus, I, I, I think that's what you're calling us to do. I think you're calling us to have a mustard seed faith in you that, that grasps the enormity of you and the tininess of ourselves. And, and so, Lord, would you increase our faith today? Would you increase our trust in you? Would we rely on you, cast away the other gods, cast away our own strength, cast away our giving up and our hopelessness, and turn to you anew this morning? In Jesus' name. Amen.